Where Kindness Lives is designed to cultivate a kinder world by helping to inform and inspire. Hosted by Jenny Sager, head of Nextdoor Australia, the neighbourhood network connecting you to what truly matters so you can belong. We'll chat to the most thought-provoking individuals paving the way to positive change and hear from neighbours who deliver small acts of kindness every day. So come on a journey to Where Kindness Lives. Hi, I'm Jenny Sager, and today my guest is Catherine Newton, CEO of mental health organization, Are You Okay? Are You Okay Day has really become a major fixture each year as it tackles the ever-present issues of mental health and well-being. And it's Catherine's own life experience which has led her on a path to make positive change every single day. Welcome, Catherine. Normally, we start our chats by asking our guests what kindness means to them, but I feel like I need to start this chat by asking you if you're okay. Are you okay? <laughs> thank you for asking, Jenny. Yes, I am okay today, thank you. I um, I took an opportunity to have a couple of days off last week. I had my parents visiting from the UK, which is the first time I've obviously seen them uh, before COVID hit, so um, obviously... It was uh, one of my um, one of my points about kindness. I think is is that it's the little things where people people make point of mentioning something that they know is important to you. So, for example, people asking me how am I going being distanced from my parents was a really really kind thing that not only friends and family did but also colleagues. And then and in my work with Are You Okay, obviously when people asked me if I was okay, it was a, it was a note to say. I'm missing my family, but I'm but I'm doing okay, thanks. So it's um there's a couple of answers to your question there. I am okay. I had a lovely time with them. And um and I think my parents are the the um the prime example of people who are kind. I was I've just going to ask you that. Like who would who would kind of exemplify kindness for you, whether it was as a child or or now, would it be your parents? Absolutely my parents. They um they always think of others first, and I think perhaps that's why I'm in the in the career that I am. I think it's about, as I mentioned, it's just about the little things. It's about thinking what is what's going to make life easier for that person, or what is going to make them feel that someone hears them and that someone sees them. And I think mum and dad have always done that with our um, you know, throughout our childhood with our friends and family and wider networks. And I think it's rubbed off. You mentioned that your colleagues sometimes ask you if you are okay, which you are the CEO. So, you know, there's that saying, it's lonely at the top. Was that strange at first when you had people that you work with that are, you know, technically more junior to you than going back and like, Catherine, are you, are you okay? <laughs> Actually, not at all. Because at Are You Okay, we're a really small team. A lot of people don't realize how, what a small team we are and how we, um, how we do our work is to actually walk the talk. So it's about those little regular check-ins how are you going what's happening in life for you we know that work is work but that so much in life happens behind the scenes and we can't leave that at the door so very much um, normal normal course of work for us is to check in with each other and ask how we're all going I think that it's um I think it's important as a leader to show vulnerability as well so there were definitely times where I'd get a little bit you know a, a tear in my eye if someone had asked because it was just that point where I was particularly missing them or for example when I was going to the airport to collect um, to collect mum and dad. The number of messages that I had from everyone who were really sharing my excitement, and I think that's something about being kind as well. It's about sharing in a moment, sharing in an experience with someone to say, "I love you," or "I care about you," or "I want to know more and be in your world." So I'm with you. I'm with you on this, whether it's the the big things that challenge us or whether it's the little things that make our moments. Um, so memorable. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. You guys have a mission statement that says empowering people to meaningfully connect and lend support, which is so in line with Nextdoor. I think one thing that really makes Nextdoor different is that we may give you that nudge to meet online, but we're really driving offline meaningful connections in real life. Um, how do you see the benefits of real life connection every day? You know, we talk a lot about neighborly connections and we did some research that showed that connecting with just six neighbors actually starts to have a positive impact on mental health. But how do you interpret that word meaningful in your space and, and the power that comes from that? I think there's a couple of things. I would say trust, safety, and belonging spring to mind when I think of when I think of what you've just mentioned there. With um with meaningful connections, we're really talking about trust. So are you okay? Um, can work in any capacity, but it works best when two people know each other. It works best when you know someone's habits, someone's routine, someone's behaviour. So whether it's someone you live next door to, whether it's someone you work alongside, or someone in your friends and family, when someone's not themselves, you know. Your gut will tell you that something's not quite right and that's the time to meaningfully say, here's what I've noticed, I'm a bit worried about you, how's everything for you at the moment? And so I think when we think of it in the neighbourhood context, it's about having people where there is trust and where there is people who know you. If you haven't put the bins out, for example, for, you know, for a few weeks, there you go. That's, I mean, that's a very crude example. If your car hasn't moved from the front, if you are walking in and out and the person who normally nods hello, isn't doing that. If the person who normally waves when they see you in the street and has a chat and you can see they're not making eye contact, um, their behaviour's changed, the routine's changed, it's that moment where, where the neighbourhoods, the connections can come together to say, this is what I've noticed, how's everything going for you? Is there anything that we can do for you? And so that helps the person feel that someone's noticed them, someone's seen them and heard them. That then leads to value. They feel valued. Um, in their community and that helps to bring that sense of belonging. We know that when people are struggling and an important part of suicide prevention is helping people feel that they belong and so if we can instill that sense of belonging and connection in our neighbourhoods then people will feel will feel heard. Such good tips. Can you see can you see a flag across the street from where you're sitting? Can you see that? I don't know if you can see it from over there but my neighbour across the street is 82 years old and he flies a different flag every day and he had the Ukrainian flag actually up um, yesterday. I don't know. I can't see from here, but it's still up. But that's actually become like a signal. If Peter doesn't put his flag up, we're like, oh, my God, something must be wrong. So he didn't have the flag. Like there was no flag changing for a couple of days and went and knocked on his door. And he just found out he has cancer. And so he had been in and out of the hospital. And But it's just like you're saying, it's like those little, you made me think of it when you mentioned the bins. It's like, oh, my gosh, Peter hasn't changed the flag today. You know, what's happening? No, it's his routine. It's his behavior. And it's a flag that something's not quite right. So it's yeah. time to check in. And it may be fine. It may be absolutely fine when we check in with people because we've noticed something. It could be that they're just super busy or, you know, for whatever reason. But it's that moment where it could be that day where someone is really struggling to hold on or they're really struggling with life, what life's throwing at them. And it could just be your eye contact to say, this is what I've noticed. How's everything going for you? That can just make literally a life-changing or saving moment. And is that the tip for people that don't really know how to do that? Is it just like simply ask, like, how are you going today? Like, what's the yep. right kind of thing to do? Yeah, it's absolutely about being genuine and it's about how you would ask in your way. So I can give you lots of tips and scripts, but it's actually about having the confidence in yourself. You've got what it takes to ask, are you okay? Because 
you know that person, you have noticed something, you're trusting your gut, and it, how would you normally speak to that person? It's not about going into therapy mode or changing the tone of your voice or getting them to sit down and have a, you know, have a quiet spot. That is a good example to have a, to have a conversation like that, but it's about just have confidence in yourself. You can do this because you know them and you know what you've noticed. What do you recommend for the next step? So let's say you go and you say to your neighbor, you know, hey, how are you doing today? Or, um, you know, what's going on? Your flag wasn't up or whatever. And they say, well, actually X, Y, and Z. If you're someone who doesn't naturally kind of know where to take that, what's your kind of tip for that, that next step then? To not panic. You don't have to be an expert. You're not expected to be a GP. You're not expected to be an expert in all the mental illnesses. You're not expected to be their healthcare professional. What you are is that someone who can listen. We all have the ability to listen, and it is such a life skill that I just think is so underrated, and we're, and we're not taught to do that very well. Unless we're in a profession where we are trained to listen, we're really not taught to be able to sit with the silence. So when we ask someone how they're going, it's not about us interrupting. It's not about us talking about what our experience was last time we did that or what we think they should do. It's about actually just shutting up and about just listening to what they have to say. And for some people, I know that's really hard. There was a, a tip when I was um, going through my lifeline training, I, I certainly was taught to listen um, on my lifeline telephone counseling course. And it was actually uh, one of the tips was if you're a person that talks a lot, put your hand over your mouth, you know, in a, in a kind of body language oh. way, you know, just put your hand over your mouth or put your hand to your face or your chin, just as a reminder of a cue to you to say, this is not about me. I'm not going to talk. I'm just going to hear them. And it's about being present when someone is telling you something. So it's not about being distracted, looking at your phone, kind of looking out to think, of, you know, I've got to be somewhere else. Please only ask if you've got the time to actually hear the answer. Yeah. And I think what's really great that people often forget is that there's a benefit mentally to the person who's doing the asking as well. Like when we did the research into small acts of kindness, it actually had almost an equal benefit to the person performing the act of kindness as the person receiving it. It feels good, right? Like it, it, it does. <laughs> it, it feels good. But I think you also learn as well. You learn um, from that interaction. You learn a bit more about them. You you understand and appreciate what's going to be of most help to them because you're asking them you're not assuming I think that's the thing as well we all assume okay let's just go into um into help mode and I'll just do anything that I think is helpful it's not always it's not always the case listen to what they're telling you and then you'll get a you'll get the real answer when we talked with Hugh McKay he he wrote a book actually re recently the kindness revolution I don't know if you read it that focuses mainly on the pandemic and everything that we learned during the pandemic. And then how do we keep that going, right? There are all these great things that happened, like people making more time for each other. Obviously, there were some negative things that happened as well, but there were positive things that came out of it. So how do we hold on to that and not lose that sense of kindness that we had where we were looking after each other and lending a helping hand during the pandemic now that we're semi coming out of it? What do you think about that? Like, how do we, in this space, in your space, how do we take what we learned where we probably started asking each other a lot more, are you okay during the pandemic? Because no one was really okay, right? So how do we not then just slip back into our old habits? I think people do have short memories, don't we? And we do think um, that's going, I think we are going to probably park, park that a bit in our mind and think that was how I was then. I think try to think of a moment where you felt you made a difference. So where you thought, 
okay, I asked that question or I did this for someone or I had that experience with a friend or a family member and what did that do for them? How did they light up? How did that make a difference? And I think if we can remember that rather than trying to remember every little single thing we did and, and, um, and trying to, you know, trying to then force upon ourselves what we want to be able to do because we know it's like New Year's resolutions. You know, you try and, you know, you try and say you're going to do all these things and then you just feel rubbish when you haven't done any of them. So just think of that one moment. Think of that one thing that really made a difference and try to replicate it. So let's talk a little bit about your personal journey because you have dedicated really your whole career to the nonprofit space. Lifeline was kind of the beginning of it, wasn't it? Yes. I was always interested in counselling. I did um, psychology at A-level. I've always been interested in counselling. I just seem to be that person that people will open up to. And so I, um, I was just looking through my local paper and I found, um, I saw an advert for telephone counsellors um, with Lifeline. And so I signed up for the six months training and you get put into groups and you get given a mentor. And I remember the first day my mentor sat down and said to us all, this is going to change your life. And I thought, geez, I don't know. About, I know it's going to be good, but I'm not sure if it's going to be life changing. That's quite a statement there. Um, but she was right. She was right. I start. My eyes just became so open. Um, I felt like I was really learning how to listen and how to connect with people. And you know, I was on the phone for you know, I think it's been about 20 months. And yeah, I the value of um, you know, the value of those experiences so humbling that people um, will open up. Do you, do you remember your first, the very first call? Yes, oh yes, my gosh, you must I have been do. So nervous. And I was, not, and yeah. you, um, and in your training, it's really good because you'll get put with a supervisor. So whilst you're on the phone, you have your supervisor there. So you've got that person <laughs> who you can look at and just say, "What do I do now? What do I say now?" And I think that's where it comes in around not panicking when someone yeah. tells you they're not okay. That's where you can really learn to just sit with the silence, let them talk let them take as much time as they need to talk. And so I've, I've learned to not feel, I still, it's still, of course, when people tell you their innermost thoughts and the challenges that they're going through, you naturally have a physiological reaction. You, it's, it's one of my top tips and what I was taught was to stand up and to ground yourself so that you can feel grounded and strong and have strength for them whilst they're telling you. Um, Interesting. It, yeah, and, and I found that really helpful. But I still remember many, many of those calls. And there were also um, beautiful calls um, where people were lonely. And, and people they just were wanted to have a chat. Just for a chat. Wow. Just for a chat. And it was letting people say what they wanted to say, what they were experiencing that day, who then said, okay, thank you. I'm going to go and that's fascinating, isn't it? And it was those where I thought there is such a such a problem with loneliness because along with those types of calls, there are people, of course, who are struggling and, and you're taught to help them find a lifeline. Is there someone you can talk to? Is there someone you trust? A manager, a teacher, a friend, a family member? And often people will say, yeah, I've got loads of people around me, but I can't talk to them about it. The stigma, the shame. Yeah, and I think that people always, when you say the word lonely... People instantly picture elderly people. Yes. But there are a lot of stats yeah. now that show that yeah. actually loneliness is on the rise the most in the younger generation, Absolutely. 18 to 25 or so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are you seeing that with Are You Okay at all? Are you seeing a correlation there with the younger demo as well? We are, unfortunately. So we really have seen um, Are You Okay is not a service, a support service, but like our colleagues in the support services, we're also seeing, um, unfortunately, a decline in the mental health of young people 
people um, and with us and our, and our measurements it's about that sense of connection is fading that sense that someone cares about me is dropping and and a lack of belonging is dropping dropping but on the flip side what we are also seeing is that people are referring on people to support services and people are saying that after they've had a conversation that they're going to support service themselves. So whilst we are seeing that decline, we're also seeing um, very much an uplift in that site in, in help seeking. Here you are living in Sydney's Northern Beaches. What is your neighborhood like? Do you know your neighbors? I do. I have such what lovely neighbors. So I was thinking about this. So Next door immediately um, is a gentleman, because my partner works away. So my partner works in Papua New Guinea, so it's very much a rotation basis. So my partner isn't always home. And I'm not saying that it's not about girl power. It totally is. <laughs> but when I have a dead possum in yes. my roof, for yeah. example, or I have a live possum that's got into the house or I have anything that really... Do you get a lot of possums? Yes. It sounds like you get a lot yes. of possums. I do. I do. It's so frustrating. But anything that requires two people to handle a wild animal... Yeah, yeah, and he's the guy I you call. You can call me next time, Catherine. In return, you can help me with spiders because sure. when my I'm partner's fine, not fine. around, I'm like, I'm still, I don't know, too many years, all these years in Australia, the American in me still cannot handle the spiders that are the size of your head. Sure. I'll so I can help you with possums if you help me with spiders. Okay, there you okay, go. Fine. Anyway, <laughs> There's a nice connection. <laughs> so he's the person I call where I'm just shouting, Brad, <laughs> Then next door um, to... to to them, I then have um, an elderly couple who, um, <laughs> if I'm travelling for work or away, he will collect and take take my things in and out. And I am so grateful. And he has been known on occasion to also come in and help with the possum, which means for him, for Jeff, a bottle of black label is the way that yes, I say okay. thank you to yep, him. Yep. So there's always one of those um, on his door. <laughs> there's a lot of possum wrangling going on in your place. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then next door are there um, is their daughter. Okay. Um, and her partner and I've got to know her so well we have such a lovely oh, friendship cool. so we do walks of a morning and she's um she just had some wonderful news after many 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 years of trying and that she'd just fallen pregnant so oh. we had a lovely knock on the door she brought cupcakes she's a baker oh my gosh. so she always delivers um some lovely baked goods and um and one time before she'd delivered about eight cupcakes and I said, I love them, but it's really not for me to eat eight. I said to her, oh my goodness, there's not eight in there. And she said, no, there's just one because inside um, is the gender of the baby. No, so that way. was an amazing neighbourly oh moment gosh. on the doorstep. Oh. So, yes. I want to read you some stories from some next door neighbours. So we do this in every podcast and just get your thoughts around, um, you know, what you think when you hear these stories. Kelly Lelliot from Brown's Plains wrote this post about her neighbors, Mercy and Bruce. They look out for my wee family. I have two small children, a husband and two dogs. They look out for us. They've left Easter presents for the children. One of our dogs is a little escape artist and Bruce and Mercy are always the ones to bring our little Houdini home. They have the patience of saints, or at least don't vocalize how noisy we are. <laughs> it's the little things that count, and they have the little things in abundance. I get anxiety at times, and having Bruce and Mercy as our neighbors is an absolute godsend. Oh, see, that's again about meaningful moments, isn't it? Those neighbors are actually thinking about what's going to make a difference here. And they're not big things, are they? They're small things that really make a difference. And that then brings it back to she's feeling that she's got some people to trust, 
She perhaps feels a little bit safer when she's um, struggling with her anxiety. And that belonging is there. Oh, how fantastic. That's I helping. Know. It's That's so helping sweet, everyone. Isn't it? So good. Okay, here's another one. So this is from next door neighbor Joanne, and she shared this about her neighbors, Phil and Belinda. I live on my own, and over the past 18 months, I've had to have three joint replacements due to a particularly severe form of arthritis. This led to a total of 18 weeks of being unable to drive some of this time, and some of this was at the peak of COVID, where I had six weeks in total in the hospital. During this time, my neighbors fed my three cats daily, changed their litter, collected my mail, cleaned my house, and sent me photos of my cats while I was in the hospital. <laughs> when I came home, they always checked to see if I needed any shopping done. Their support has been ongoing, and even though I am now independent, I feel safe knowing that they are there. I don't know what I would have done without the Harbutts. I am just so appreciative of their efforts and am more than delighted to be able to nominate them for the Kind Neighbor Award. I mean, let's give it up to the Harbutts. Oh, seriously. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> and look how much that would have assisted her recovery. Yeah, because absolutely. Because it's, uh, you know, having all of those things obviously is so important, but just imagine what that was like, you know, um, whilst being in hospital or lying there or worrying and your mind's going in that internal narrative that we all have. How wonderful is it she had them there knowing that that's um that everything is being taken care of and the special moment of sending the photos oh how nice gosh, that, that would have just lifted her morale and it is kindness really is contagious isn't it like I think about I've got a, a friend of mine Sue who she's a single mom she has two kids so she's busy herself but she's and she lives like half an hour away all the time she'll text me and she'll be like oh I just left something outside your door and it's like a cake or she makes the most amazing fried chicken she leaves fried chicken oh, at my doorstep wow. sometimes and but she does, Great even friend. my kids say, they're like, Sue is the nicest person you've <laughs> ever met. Um, but it just like, I think it also then inspires you to kind of keep that going, mm, right? Mm. Because then sometimes I think about, oh, that's so, like, I feel so good when she leaves her fried mm -hmm. chicken on my doorstep. And then I'm like, oh, I'm going to go do this, even if it's not for her, like for someone else, or then I'll drive to her place and leave her yep. something. Or, and you really start to feel that wheel keep keep going isn't it immeasurable you can't put um it's, it's nothing to do with price is it it's nothing to do with cost or what that means it's just how does that make us all feel and i mean look at life and what everybody deals with day to day so much so much more so than others um and just those little moments again being kind to yourself what do you do in your daily or weekly routine to give yourself you've got a busy job you're a ceo how are you kind to yourself i go for lots of walks i find that the way for me to process everything that's happened um the day the day before is um is a good walk so for me um the, the movement and the nature i don't um Sound a little bit controversial, but I don't plug into anything as I'm walking, oh, which I know good. is not the not the aim of podcasts. Um, but I don't plug into everything. I just let my mind wander and just look around and just be present. Um, but then the other is that I have three nieces and nephews who are just a delight and fill me with lots of um, lots of funny. Um, moments, How old are they? Lots of meaningful moments. So uh, Poppy is 12 okay. and then Jarvis and Blythe are eight-year-old twins. Oh, wow. Okay. And, and they're, they're in Sydney as well. They're in Sydney. Yeah. They're just um, down the road. Yeah. And, and your brother dad, and sister is 
probably like, okay, like, here you go. <laughs> well, their dad also works in Papua New Guinea. So, the, right, okay. so they can't, the, the brothers are away a lot of the time. So I get to help out a lot. And that makes me, that fills my cup. It, it fills my cup that I'm helping well, my sister. Well, I have an 11-year-old <laughs> oh, and a 9-year-old and a 5-year-old. So um, anytime you want that cup filled, I'll just drop them off at your place. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I've got my hands full. Thank you. <laughs> but they're the moments. And, you know, I tried to teach them. Um, about being kind and you know they'll come and they've made me something or you know they've drawn me a poster and and I know that for mums and and and, and parents that's um, that's very common but it's nice to have that um it's nice to have that as an auntie definitely okay we have one more fun question to ask you which we ask all of our guests but before we do that I want to just find out from you if people want to get more involved and are you okay what can they do there's lots of things you can do you can think about who in your world obviously you need to ask are you okay but there's lots of ways to get involved in your school in your workplace in your university it's all about how do you bring are you okay into your world so how can you get the message across to those around you uh, we've got an ambassador program for people who wish to can any anyone can sign up for that uh, yes anyone yep. can sign up for it it's about um how can you uh, positively share your own stories of lived experience of suicide um or mental illness. And is that different to, like, there's somebody um, around here who I've seen him post on Nextdoor that he's, like, a mental health, um, some sort of, doesn't do it for a job, but he's, I forget what he called it, like a, mm. an accredited mental health. Mm, so this is different. specifically yes, Are You Okay Ambassador? Yes. Yep. This okay. is an ambassador program. We have um, a screening process, an yep. interviewing process, um, and then we have around 100 ambassadors who are around the country who are very active and help to share share the message. Then there are um, workplace champions who are people who live and breathe well-being in the workplace. And that's a less formal process, but it's still a program where we help guide um, plans and activities for your workplace. And of course, there's events. And now that events are coming back, there'll hopefully be lots more lots more events that people can get involved in their local community. Amazing. Well, we should team up on one of those events. Yes. Next door and are you okay? Would be a killer combo. Okay. So we always ask guests the age old question of who are you inviting to your dinner party? You can pick a maximum of six dead or alive. Anyone? Definitely my sister who's still in the UK and I haven't seen her for a couple of years. So she would be my number one for sure. She is a dancer. I think that she would bring, um, lots of cool people to the table so actually it would be really good just to talk about something completely different and so um I think her with her dance inspiration because when we were younger we were definitely going to be back in dances for Madonna didn't quite oh, happen maybe that can be the next guest on our podcast <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much Catherine it's been so great to chat to you today thank you for having me